Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast where we focus on real Canadian rugby. I'm Sue Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, we were off last week, but good news is we have an exciting interview coming up. But more on that later. Derek, how have you been, man? Ah, uh, I've been good, man. Um, you know, it's uh it's been a pro- bit of a productive week. Uh, you know, working on uh some La Rouge rugby stuff that we've been working on that hopefully people will be able to see within the next month or so, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, as you said, man, we got an awesome interview with a Arrows player, the third Australian Arrows player as well in a row. Or I guess Pete Smith's not a player, but the third Australian Arrow in a row. Well, I, I've got to tell you that obviously no MLR rugby uh, this side of the Atlantic. However, the European uh, Rugby Champions Cup has finished its pool stages. And being an Osprey supporter, it has been a wonderful time. <laughs> a last uh, depth try uh, sealed their victory over Leicester Tigers. So they will be facing in the round of 16, Saracens. So I think nice. that's going to be a great game. I think that match doesn't happen until April, but, yeah. you know. We should do a full podcast episode on that game. Oh, we can't, we'll be in the middle of the MLR season. I don't that care. Point. Special bonus episode. Bonus episode just so we can yell at each other about <laughs> our teams. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it, we'll see. Depending on the results, we'll see how uh, we feel. Yeah, how we'll see how it goes. I was going to say, unfortunately, the Saracens didn't play this weekend, so I didn't watch any of it. Well, they did. You no, no, they did not play this weekend. They did. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. I must have missed it. I don't. Uh, what a shame! What a shame! Yeah, I was too busy working on Larue's rugby stuff. What were you doing? You were watching rugby. Like, put in some effort into the podcast we do together. What's wrong? All right, I, I will ease your pain of missing your precious Saracens playing. We're going to bring it back to this side of the Atlantic because we have had some new kits been released. Um, and let's start off not with the Toronto Arrows, which is what we would normally do, uh, because we have to address what's been going on in Atlanta because they have released new kits and an entirely new rebrand. Now, as you know, we're a Canadian podcast. We focus on the Arrows. But hey, Matt, Matt Keaton has to wear this. Yeah, we can't really avoid talking about this. This has been a terrible rebranding exercise. Um, the team, the president of um, Rugby ATL has come out and said that they apologize for doing this vastly different um, colored rebrand of the team, the removal of the snake motif that had been prevalent in the team since its inception in 2020. They even had a Facebook Live, I want to say like a town hall, where um, questions could have been asked on um, their uh, Facebook Messenger directly to them. Uh, There is no record of that meeting now <laughs> at all that has been scrubbed from yeah. facebook's archive uh this has just been yeah really bad but for those of you who have not been aware of what's going on uh rugby atl's primary colors last year were uh black red and silver. Uh, yeah silver it's like gray it's silver. silver those kind of colors and they have now completely changed their logo is uh primarily green a unnervingly similar green to the Chicago Hounds yeah. uh, and encircled uh, around this new logo is uh, Peach, obviously a 
Georgia peaches. That does make sense. And a blue ring as well. Um, the yep. logo has um, changed completely. And I'll be honest, I like what they were doing with it. It did look like an improvement on the standard A, but... The A itself is actually cool. The, yeah. The ATL, it's cool. Yeah. Um, that looks really cool, but it is like the one positive that yeah, that's I it. can really talk about. Well, I think... See, here's the thing. I think... I don't think you're too wrong in saying that you like the A necessarily. The issue, it's like the issue with this to me and like reading through all of the rugby ATL fan pages and, you know, I did listen to that press conference for 20 minutes before it just became too painful to listen to um, since it looked like nobody actually wanted to be there. Um, But I guess, you know, good on them for actually publicly addressing it like that even though it was uh difficult to watch at uh times um the issue though isn't necessarily like the design and stuff it's this like um one of the things that amanda windsor white did say in both her letter and during the press conference um when asked about the colors was that they wanted to differentiate themselves from the other teams in atlanta who essentially all wear red mostly red and black the braves are red and dark blue um but you know you got obviously the hawks the falcons georgia bulldogs um they're all basically red and black um and they wanted to differentiate themselves and i'm just like like one like why like you know it's i think that's a good thing that like some of the other teams in the mlr Toronto, NOLA, New York, Seattle, DC, like they've all leaned into like the city that they're in and like the color scheme of a lot of those sport teams. Cause it's like at the end of the day, it's the colors that we associate the city with. Like to yeah. me, Atlanta's red and black. Yeah. Like, um, you know what I mean? Like that's what that like that's how you look like Atlanta, right? That's how a non-rugby fan that's used to um, watching like football or basketball or whatever, right? We'll turn on, it, you can turn on an Atlanta NOLA game last year. And if you've never watched rugby before and you just saw the words Atlanta and NOLA written on the scoreboard, you'd be like, NOLA's the black and gold team and Atlanta's the red and black team, right? Because yeah. That's just the, those, that's the colors, right? Um, and so I'm like, I really don't understand why they wanted to get away from that so much. Cause that's to me, that's what screams Atlanta about the previous design. And I think the other thing that really stood out too, um, if you listen to the press conference, and I think this is where to me, the biggest problem with the rebrand really lies. Um, if you listen to the press conference, which I understand that you can't go back to now, um, is that correct, Stu? It's been deleted. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not it's, wrong been deleted. it's been deleted. Okay. So, I wanted to like go back and double check this because I really um like I really don't want to misquote uh Manza, Amanda Windsor White, but I can't go back and verify what her exact words were. Um so just kind of bear with me because I'm trying to paraphrase this from my memory of watching it and I don't I can't go back and rewatch the video. Um so if any if I am kind of wrong, feel free anybody feel free to kind of correct me on it. Um but at Early in the press conference, somebody asked the question of like why the team name is Rugby ATL, as which, by the way, is the worst team name in the league easily now. Um, but 
why it's rugby ATL and not like the standard or North American kind of style sport team names that just follows the city team nickname formula. Yeah. And her response was they talked about, um, she said they were like workshopped a number of ideas for a team nickname and a mascot. And they, you know, ultimately couldn't land on one. She talked about copyright issues, um, for like, you know, being worried that there'd be like a, you know, a minor league baseball team somewhere that has the name. I'm not a copyright lawyer. I don't really understand that. You play in a league that has a team called the Warriors, which is the most popular team in the NBA or arguably the most popular yeah. team in the NBA too. I don't understand that. Um, there's so many sport team names that cross all sports. Um, the CFL had two teams called the Rough Riders at the same time. Like I don't, I don't understand copyright law. Um, so I don't really get her point on that, but mm. um, that's probably more on me than on her. Uh, but what she was saying when she was saying that, and then they reworkshopped it and they, they couldn't come up with um, a name that they liked or that stuck with them. And my whole thought on is like, okay, like that's fine. If you couldn't come up with one, but the issue isn't whether you could come up with one. It's that you didn't have to because the fans already did it for you. Right. Like, and I think that to me is where the biggest problem with the rebrand is, is it's like the Rattlers was yeah. something the fans created. Rugby ATL didn't do that. The rugby no. ATL in their first year, that's not them. They didn't do that. And as the fans started calling, because Rugby ATL, R-A-T-L, Rattle, Rattlers, we all get where this came from. But that was some, that was a fan-driven initiative, and that's what they started. And like Rugby ATL, who did never actually officially call themselves the Rattlers, um, yeah. right, which um, um, Windsor White brings up. Um, it says, like, the fans were the Rattlers, um, but we never officially were, and... Um, but it's like the fans weren't the Rattlers. The fans called the team the Rattlers. Yeah. Um, right. And it just kind of feels like a major like disconnect and misconception on or on what the brand of this team is. Cause even like rugby ATL, they the fans start calling the team the Rattlers. And rugby ATL over the years has slowly like really leaned into the Rattler thing. Right. They had um, you know, players were designing um snake imagery. Um, they painted a snake mural like in their gym, which apparently has been painted over now. Um, so players were doing that with the snake imagery. They made an alternate logo that was a snake with rugby ATL written on it. Um, and you know, ultimately too, in the 2021 season, they added snake scales to the jersey, right? And um that it snake scales to the Jersey. And then they kept that through the 2022 season as well. So yeah. it's like, to me, that's where the problem lies, right? Is like, as yeah. you fans have pointed out, the fans are the ones that created this brand, not rugby ATL, not their, their marketing team, not their, uh, the president of business operations or anybody or the company that hired us. Like the fans created the brand yeah. right? and you took that away from them with yeah. this rebrand. And that's where the heart of it really lies. Because even at that, like the team name still rugby ATL, the rattle name still would technically work, but yeah. you killed everything. Like now they're posting pictures of like pine trees and we are tri city and all that yeah. stuff. And it's like the, like 
that could have been something really special for at rugby ATL is you could have had a brand that the fans were all really passionately connected to because it was theirs. Yeah. It's like, they're the ones that came up with it. They're the ones that started doing the snake stuff, right? The players jumped on board. Eventually, as I said, snake scales on jerseys. It's really cool. All stemming from a nickname the fans came up with. And that's amazing. That is so hard to get like organically. Like you had a brand like just sitting there waiting to be for the taking and you for some reason completely ignored it and yeah and, and i don't know like yeah I know. yeah i think the i think it is just a case of too much too quickly it's, yeah it's, like it's yeah it's a lot well even um i saw you you you're the one that posted on the reddit right the black and red version of the logo yeah yeah like i don't know i didn't read any of the comments on it how how did that get received like, uh better than the one they yeah, put out like, like i i've been going through like the facebook comments on the new uh logo yeah. and they so first of all they include uh the reason of like oh why we've made this change oh of, like gosh. it's I, I it. <laughs> uh it's to excite the city of atlanta and about its no. professional rugby team convey why we're here and we are yours we want to be the disruptor, the renegade you can't say no to. We want to sound and feel like we are Atlanta. Be what is, and this, no, this is an absolutely true quote. Be what is cool, hip, and inherent in ATL, culture, art, vibrancy, etc. If you have to say cool and hip, <laughs> you are neither of those you things. Are those things. But also, first, first, of all, first of all, saying, oh, we're hip, yeah. well, you may as well say, we're down with the kids. Also, yeah. though, if you want to, I mean, also, though, if you want to look and feel like Atlanta, be black and red. Yeah. Like the 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 second mistake yeah. they made. Well, yeah. the second mistake besides the logo, just the actual is, rollout is well, it's the rollout. But even in these comments, people have been saying like, oh, you need to change it. It's unprofessional. It's a step yeah. back. We need something that they're like replying to their comments as rugby atl saying that you know oh one of our core values of pace p-a-c-e c is for creating change <laughs> and it's like not the logo it's creating yeah. change in the, the culture the, of the, the environment it's getting people to recognize rugby as a major sport you oh it's yeah it's it, it's, it's so it's and like I'm, I mean, I know maybe like I've seen like some people maybe trying to defend it by mentioning like, you know, you go through sports history, um, and there's a lot of like, you know, especially like way back in the day, like a hundred years ago when pro sports was first coming out, people were trying stuff, right? Yeah. It's like the the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's the third team name. Yeah. Before they before we landed on a couple different owner changes and stuff, you yeah. know, other other iconic teams across pro sports they've all you know they, they, some of Stumbled. them took a while to figure out what they were doing but once once you have it though you got to stick with it and the thing with like like you know rugby atl here is it's like that's the thing that made the previous brand special was nothing that the organization did it was yeah. everything that the fans did and i feel and i feel for them that it's lost and i know like you kind of look around the league and I know like there's a handful of other teams that have changed their names 
or you know change their name change the local but it's like you take a team like new york um and it's like new york feels like the brand is like evolving more than they're like they've, they've never really rebranded it's just like evolved a little bit like they're kind of slowly figuring out what they want to be as far as like a brand um which is maybe it's kind of weird to you know be on your third team name in five years or um but it was like but like they're kind of slowly figuring that out and it's like every kind of little tweak that they've made it's like yeah like it's been received a lot more positively than this because it's like you're still sticking with like you haven't changed you haven't you haven't dived off of the orange and blue um you made a way a way better logo um for the second season than in the first season right yeah. and then once you got that way better logo you haven't really changed it other than you added the word iron workers to it right and then yeah. you also have iron workers like which is like that's really good like you can evolve it um nola unveiled their kit and it's the exact same as last year yeah and it's like do, like once you have it you can you can stick with it um right and but rugby atl man like it's just it's just such a big whiff yeah it, it's it's like i said it's an exercise in yeah, don't do it yeah poor brand management and definitely a lot of lessons that can be uh taken away from yeah something like this or the other MLRT. I think it also doesn't help that between the end of last season and this rebrand, there's been another team whose primary color is green. Oh, and like, okay. I've seen... And, but, and that's another thing that comes up in it, the logo is that yeah. one of the it does comments look, yeah. say, yeah, this is very similar to another MLR team, this one based in the Midwest. Yeah. And instead of acknowledging that, oh, yeah, there's, like, similarity to this, they say, you might be thinking, and you go look similar to Chicago. Yes, there are similar attributes, but keep in mind, we've rooted our colors and tone in Atlanta insights. Yeah, like like the color... They, they don't the say what the insights are. Yeah, they said that the green's for the color of trees, um, which nobody but Atlanta has in North America. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only place that has trees. Um, but... I, yeah, like the white jersey looks like Chicago a lot for sure. Um, my only my only thing is just like, like you can have in theory you can have three green. Well, I guess Chicago has a black jersey; they don't even have a green jersey. Um, yeah. But it's like in theory, I guess you could have like more than one green team in your league. Like as we mentioned before, you have I guess eight black teams, right? And of the teams that aren't black, three of them are blue and white and red. Like you can, you you can have teams with the same colors. You just have to kind of use them a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, it, it does look a little similar. Um, but it, it's uh, it does look a little similar. But that's not really the the problem. Like that's secondary to it. The real problem, I think, is just um, I think this the way this got rebranded, the reaction. It really just feels like the ownership of rugby ATL just took something away from the fans. Yeah, and yeah. um, and and that's yeah. that's a shame. Well, yeah, I guess we'll have to see how the fallout for this continues. But well, it is what it is. But let's focus on something a bit more positive because we've had more kits come out, and we've had the arrows release their new kit mm. for twenty twenty three, and 
you know the arrows they don't really miss do they they no. get it like perfect 10 every time and we have the home kit which is blue with a white band across the center um and the white away kit which is predominantly white but the shoulders have a darker blue than the um home kit's yeah. uh, main blue um they also the home kit also has a sort of like a lightning pattern both that, of them do yeah both, they, of them uh, do. Uh, yeah both of them do it's just there's a there's a couple pictures they posted it's just it's white on white yeah on so the, it's, uh, it's hard it's a little, to tell but, yeah uh, it's a little tougher to see but it's there they're on both yeah uh there's been a few um sponsor changes for example uh, it was announced today that metro supply chain uh the sponsor that's located just above the um toronto arrows crest yeah and the new main logo uh, across the jersey is TIRF, which stands for Toronto Inner City Rugby Foundation. So I'm not actually sure, but I think this is the is this the first instance of an MLR team having a charity across their jersey? I don't know. There's been a lot of teams that haven't even had a sponsor on their jerseys. That is true. Right. So I, but, um, yeah. but yeah, no turf's cool. Uh, oh, what do you think of the uh, turf's cool? It's a good to see. Um, them kind of partnering with a like grassroots rugby organization. Mm -hmm. um, I'm yeah. really curious to see because the arrows just kind of teased it on Twitter. Um, they said with more to come. Um, so I'm yeah. curious what that more to come is. Um, but uh, yeah. it's cool to see. It's cool to see like a you know a nice like I mean that and it's like a Toronto brand and stuff. Yeah, right. Like especially it's like the yeah. I in turf has the CN, CN tower. tower. Yeah, it actually. Exactly works pretty well on the jersey maybe that's because it's a i mean it's a rugby foundation right so it's uh you know maybe there's a little bit of thought on how this would look on like rugby gear um put towards that logo design too um to me, i was thinking like uh maybe if the home kit had been like completely blue with the lightning bolts and the uh turf logo had been in white but actually with the white band, which is accented by gold, because there's gold accents throughout uh, both jerseys, I think it just makes it pop a bit more. So I actually yeah, like good. it better like that. Yeah. Well, th this is this is why I'm not in jersey design. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And oh. uh, on the um, inseam of uh, the jerseys, it has a... Uh, uh, one team, one target, target and yeah. you know a continuation from what it's had in previous years as well. Yeah. Um, and I think the good thing as well is that when the jerseys were advertised by the arrows themselves, it wasn't the uh, CGI uh, view of what yeah, it looks like. It's actually an actual, actual jersey that's just it's being held, so yep. it's similar to having it as flat as possible, but you can also get the feel of it this is a real jersey it, actual, this is what it actually looks like which yeah. i think it's just far more pleasant on the eye i think there's um yeah. you know uh even in their uh demonstration of the promotion of this um when they announced like the home and the away kits on social media they've got more mm -hmm. uh toronto motifs uh, they've got like shots of the city as part of the background, and they still uh, contain, you know, um, clouds and flying because obviously that's the origin of the arrows logo. Uh, but it, this looks really good so far, and the yeah. only way it can get better is 
you know, just seeing the guys actually wear it and winning games in it. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I was going to say, every jersey looks good with a shield um, in front of it, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like uh, I really like it. You know, I first I first saw it, and it's like I feel like they're one of those kits that it's like the more I look at them, the more I love them. Yeah, yeah, I really like I really love the lightning bolt pattern on it. Um, the the away kit kind of feels, at least to me, kind of feels like a little bit like a hockey jersey almost, like a kind of yeah. with the uh, the colored shoulders and stuff. Um, and then like the all white base. Um, so I like that. I think that's really cool. Where where does this rank for you on a uh, the uh the five-year history of arrows kit oh yeah i'm putting you on the spot for this so i'd say i'd say their worst kit is their first kit but i think that's all that doesn't mean it's bad it's just the worst one that they've had but you you do want to start worse and then everything you do get better so i I don't really think arrows have ever had a bad kit yeah i think but i think they're uh 2020 I think that 2021 kit with the collars, that's definitely number one. That's I'd say this is mm-hmm. uh I'd say this is either like second or third. I think it's hard to yeah. I think, bring one on. Yeah, I think I, I'm kind of with you on that. To me, I personally though, I feel like these are like the arrows, like the arrows have had a really good three year run here. Um mm-hmm. of maybe having, you know, you know, top, you know, top two, top three kit in the league um top one kit in the league um right i think uh this this to me this jersey kind of feels like the arrows like the like the return of the jedi jersey kind of um to me it's like i thought 2021 where they had the collars and stuff as you alluded to yeah um unreal kit it's amazing that that's the like a new hope unreal kit it's amazing had the collars though the players apparently didn't like those um and then i think last year 2022 that's like the arrows empire strikes back where it's like they're flawless yeah um they added the gold accents to the arrow to the uh the hoops that were all pointing up with the arrows i loved the 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 blue like the two shades of blue on the kit um Mm -hmm. love that and then this one kind of just feels like i still think i like like Empire Strikes Back, I still like it a little bit more, but like Return of the Jedi is still an absolutely unreal movie. Um, yeah. and basically the trilogy's flawless as a whole. So yeah, Camp Complains. I I I'd be I'm with you. It's like maybe like, you know, probably like their second, second yeah. or third best kit so far, but like they haven't really missed on one at all. Yeah. Yet. I love yeah, I love last year's. The thing is though, what I wanted I want your input on. Um, as as b- bad as this sounds, as shameful yeah. as I am to admit it, I don't have an arrows jersey yet. Um, so I know, right? Yes. For for anybody listening, Stu um basically just threw his headphones off and he has left the podcast. So I'm doing this show on my own until Corey Thomas shows up halfway through this, at least. Um, <laughs> but um, so, okay, Stu's back now. All right, we're good. Um, but um. He looks like he's engaged again after being absolutely flabbergasted by that statement. Um, but so I, I'm thinking like I got to buy one at like this year, yeah. right? Like yeah. this has gone on far too long. So what what are we thinking? Blue or white? Home I think way? Hold out for a specialty one? What are we doing? I'd say, well, first of all, you can never have too many rugby jerseys. So <laughs> Buy all of them? 
Yeah. Well, I'd say if you have to get one, I'd say get the home jersey. And then if mm. a special kit comes out, you remember you do have to bid on them. And though the bidding does go for charity, you know, you have to have a competition with yeah. potentially someone else. So, you know, keep that in mind. So I'd say, you know, you got to get the home jersey. I think it's having, I think the, I'd say of the two, I'd say I'd pick the home jersey. Mm. Also, I this may just be me, but I know some other people will. White is very easy to get a stain on it, and then you've mm. uh, stained that jersey forever. So, you know, well, I I prefer a bit the darker colors, maybe like hide oh. any issues. But I mean, it's up to you. Um, well, I mean, some of us have no problems eating and drinking food. Hey, I have problems. I have no problems whatsoever. It's when a rugby ball comes straight into my face as I'm drinking a drink and I'm just enjoying the day. It's not even coming from the pitch. It's from someone. Well, then, then I would question what you did to Sam Malcolm because he doesn't miss. So we obviously did that on purpose. I stood behind the posts one time <laughs> and it's yeah. anyway. All right. So we've got well, another Jersey yeah. to talk about. Uh, as you, now you did say that uh, Nola gold have uh, uh, got jerseys, but it is, literally the same jersey as last year so and, you can watch our previous episode uh last year and you'll have the exact same information yeah. the new jersey that's come out that is different is actually old glory dc so they had the same jersey for the last two years you know with uh, uh stars and stripes across the uh, torso but they have changed it. So the flag that they've got on their jersey now is the flag of DC itself. So the home kit is a lovely like navy color with three mm-hmm. red stars, two red stripes, pairs perfectly well with their Cuisine Solutions sponsorship. <laughs> and the alternative jersey, which is their white kit so the blue is replaced by white uh the stripes on the side instead of being red are blue this time and you know i'm sure um dc fans were very grateful that if they bought a kit in 2021 they didn't have to buy another one in uh, 2022 Hmm. at the same time i really like this new kit it's you know something bit it's different but the same you know, yeah. it's like enough to I, make it unique, but enough to make it different as well. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good choice. Yeah, I, I really like it too. Um, it's it's one of those things. So it's like I I understand I understand that the team is called Old Glory, and um, that which is the American flag. Um, yeah. so draping themselves in the American flag worked completely. I liked those jerseys last year. Um, however, they, it did really make them look like the USA national team. Um, yeah. And in fact, they have a they had a better jersey than the USA national team. And the USA national team should um, find Old Glory's previous jerseys and use them uh, yeah. because that would actually I think that would actually be great. Um, this kit, though, that Old Glory came out, it's a lot cleaner. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a lot cleaner. It's really it. Uh, and it feels a lot more like um a team from Washington DC as opposed to the USA national team. Yeah. Um it's it's a lot more in that kind of vein and um you know you look around the, the DC sports landscape it really it it's much in the same kind of uh aesthetic as like the Capitals, the Wizards and the Nationals kind of playing up a little bit of the Stars 
Um, a little bit of the stars and stripes, definitely using the American red, white, and blue color schemes. Um, but also kind of do it in a way that doesn't necessarily make you look like team USA. Yeah. Um, which I think the previous kit had, um, and I don't, I didn't necessarily think it was a bad thing. Like I thought the jerseys look good, but it's like, it really looks like that they should be, it should be an Eagles jersey as opposed to an MLR team's jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is just kind of a cleaned up version. I think they, they nailed this one. I'm really psyched about it. I think, uh, they look good. It's a nice shade of blue. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious though, because they haven't said what like the anchor on the back of the jersey means. Um, and I know there's a Scottish flag on the back, which I guess is because they have like this Scottish partnership thing. But there's an yeah, anchor, and uh, I can't find an explanation for that um, anywhere. Well, yeah, I'm sure um, one will come out soon yeah. enough. It looks good though. I don't understand your little symbolism things, but it looks good. All right, so we are not we are now waiting on only two more teams to release their kit, and they are both the Texan teams, Dallas and Houston. Yeah. So no word from them at the time of recording. Uh, so we'll you know keep our noses to the grindstone, and hopefully we'll have something before the start of the season. But you know can't guarantee anything. Yeah. All right, we're going to keep it with the arrows because the team has announced their coaching and team staff for the twenty twenty three season. Uh, when it comes to the coaches, the group remains the same. You know, Pete Smith's still uh, the head honcho. Rob Howley is the attack coach. And Corey Hector is still um, the director and head coach of the academy team. And we do have a few changes, though. Um, in conjunction with Rugby Canada, uh, Alex Lee is the new head of performance, having previously worked with Elite Trailfinders. And Richard Owen is the new head performance analyst, uh, having previously worked with the WRU as well as other teams. And Shane Carhill is the new assistant uh, strength and conditioning coach. So we wish the guys all the best. Hopefully they can make a real impact with the Arrows and, you know, be possibly a deciding factor when it comes to games in the 2023 season. Now we move away from the 15s game. We have to briefly talk about the sevens. It was the uh, New Zealand sevens this past weekend, and it has been announced that New Zealand will not be one of the locations when uh, the World Seven Series changes for the next season. So this was the last time for the foreseeable future that we'll have games in Hamilton. And, um, Canada will be glad that it's the last time they'll be uh, playing in uh, Hamilton because uh, these results did not look good. Um, the women's sevens finished 11th and the men's sevens finished 14th. The women's sevens are still in the top half of or the upper part of the sevens table. The men's sevens are now, I believe, 13th or 14th in the world. And they're right on the bubble. Yeah, with only 12 uh, teams competing next year, this is this is real crunch time for the men's sevens. They need to start putting performances together, start getting a few more games in the win column, especially in the pool stage. I know that it's a young team and a, definitely a um, curve, especially against some of the more established teams. But, you know, they're now getting... Uh, so it's like Uruguay are making inroads against them as well it's teams that uh you know they previously defeated they're losing to they really need to 
turn this around. And they can do so at the next stage, which is this weekend in Sydney, Australia. And if you'd like to watch any of those games, they will be on CBC and CBC Gem. Uh, so make sure to tune yeah. in. And uh, if, if you do miss the games, one of the cool things that CBC, uh, the website and CBC Gem, the app does is they actually cut the Canada games by themselves. Yeah. Um, so I, I missed um, I missed most of the games when they were happening live, but I just went back through and watched all the Canada ones because they have it as like a playlist. It's actually like a really cool feature of the app if you happen to miss any of the games. Yeah, so if you want to catch some sevens action, uh, that will be where you can do so. Now, uh, before we move on to this interview that we've got coming up with a special guest, uh, Neil Davidson posted an article and we found it in the Times Colonist. It was reported by the Canada Press and first published on January 23rd, 2023. And it is titled Rugby Canada Meets with World Rugby to Discuss High Performance Future. So the article talks about uh, Canada finishing fourth in the Women's uh, Rugby World Cup in New Zealand last November and poses the question, how long can Canada's amateur program compete with countries like New Zealand, England and France that provide their women with central contracts? And it uh, mentions that Sophie de Goody and coach Kevin Ray talked about the need for investment and the need to develop now. It even mentions that... Uh, the Canadian men's team serves a cautionary tale because uh, back in their amateur days uh, in 1991, they made the quarterfinals of that World Cup. But in the seven tournaments that followed, they never made it out of the pool stage with a combined uh, four wins, 19 losses and two draws, even uh, mentioning that they failed to qualify for the 2023 World Cup. Um so you can find the full article. It has been tweeted by uh, Neil Davidson, and you can find him at Neil M. Davidson on Twitter. And, you know, it um, highlights Rugby Canada is featured as well because obviously they're the ones communicating with World Rugby. And this focuses mainly on the 15s game. They say that uh, because the sevens is with the Olympics, it um, get can get funding from the federal government instead. So the focus has been mainly on 15s and, um, you know, no punches drawn. It says that Kingsley Jones expects 54 Canadian eligible players in MLR this season, but no one is getting rich uh, with uh, the top salary for MLR players at 45,000 US dollars. Um, and saying that whilst the Toronto Arrows have helped, there's obviously things that, need to be addressed such as the lack of um home games for the men's and women's 15s team saying that i believe the game against italy was the first um women's home international in seven years which is staggeringly inexcusable but um, as I said, um, listeners and watchers can find that on Neil M. Davidson's Twitter account. Um, yes. And it, it does show the significant gulf that Rugby Canada has compared to the tier one nations yeah. of rugby. And that it's not as simple as, oh, 
just, uh, you know, just start a league of uh, women's rugby and it'll be fine because it's, you know, you need to work on the resources. They need to professionalize the program. They need to look after the players once it's done so and, you know, avoid the issues that arose with the men's team. So it's definitely worth a read, I'd say. And uh, obviously hoping that that meeting between Rugby Canada and World Rugby can give a big boost to its focus on the women's team, but ideally the men's team as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, so obviously uh, we're recording this on uh, the, the Tuesday. So I guess that, that meeting happened today in LA. So, I mean, I hope it went well. Uh, you know, Rugby Canada definitely needs needs something. Needs a little bit of little bit of financial help and assistance. So, I mean, I hope it went well. Um, it's yeah, like um, you know, it's that the players definitely need more games and stuff. Yeah. Right? Like we all know, like no, it's not a, necessarily a secret of needing like more game time, whether that's. MLR at club level or that's you know in more international tests and you know I feel, I believe um I was just trying to skim through that article because I thought I read it in the article but it's like I believe um Rugby Canada says they don't they don't have any test matches scheduled yet um yes that yeah that, that was from the article okay, good I was trying to skim through it yeah. I couldn't find it real quick but um it's uh I thought I remembered reading that so I I'm writing us I'm writing remembering this correctly yeah. Uh, yeah, so the quote says, still, Bomber says, at this point, there are no fixtures confirmed this year for both the Canadian men yeah. and women's 15 squad. So, I mean, that's obviously a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um. Right, that uh, that would need to be addressed. And I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Um. So, I mean, I hope, I hope it goes well, like, for, for Rugby Canada. I think that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, we know, obviously, this has been, uh, this has been tough like a couple of years for rugby Canada, the players, the fan bases, um, you know, the, the women's team obviously had unreal success at the world cup. Um, you know, the, and, uh, you know, finished fourth played probably the best game of the entire year against England. Um, and, you know, we're really close to work, really close to beating them. It took the, it took one of the best tries ever scored to beat them. Um, but, as everybody talked about after it's like well okay well like what do you do now because you're clearly close to england you're maybe a step behind england but how do you take that extra step if there's no resources to help you take that extra step right so hopefully hopefully this this amounts to something and um i mean hopefully we hear maybe what the results were and maybe a little bit more details um you know as the weeks go on, but as of right now, I guess that meeting just happened today uh, at this point in time. So um, perhaps by the time people are listening to this, perhaps we know more information. But as of right now, um, there's nothing. I just hope it went well. Rugby Canada, yeah. Rugby Canada needs this. Um, it's great that they're meeting with World Rugby. Yeah, Rugby Canada needs this. So um, hopefully yeah. it will. Yeah, it's uh, obviously a lot of uh, meetings behind closed doors, but hopefully yeah. the end result is a net positive, you know, funding coming through yeah. for um, Rugby Canada as well as um, the start of future development so that, you know, we're not in the position where it's 
you know, however many decades down the line where even the women's team aren't able to qualify for the World Cup. And, you know, we're basically just banging our heads because yeah. the same things happened all over again. Right. I think that's uh, enough of us being a bit negative. As <laughs> promised, we do have an interview with a special guest that is coming up right now. So through the magic of editing, we will disappear and we will be back with our guest in three, two, one. And we are back. And as promised, we have a special guest with us. He is one of the latest signings for the Toronto Arrows. And from what I've heard, he's also the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, good luck charm, as we found out last week when he went to the game. And, you know, Arrows, and not the Arrows won. Well, the Arrows will be winning at some point, but the Maple Leafs also run last week. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Thomas. Corey, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you guys for having me. Did you enjoy that game? Oh, definitely. No, it was uh, it was very fast. And we ended up getting good ticket, uh, good seats. So uh, right up close and it was entertaining for the whole three periods. Were you uh, able to understand the officiating? Because I believe this was the Panthers game that you went to that confused like everybody because no one had any idea what was going on. Yeah, oh, I had, luckily I had Lucas Rumble next to me and he was explaining a lot of things. But uh... <laughs> I, Actually, I mean, with some of the calls in that game, I'd be impressed if uh, anybody actually was able to tell you what was going on. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just uh, it was a good environment and uh, I definitely will go again. Did you uh, go to a Raptors game later this week too? Just uh, Yes, I, went, I was there Saturday night. Yeah. Nice, how was that? Yeah, no, it was good fun. It um, We didn't have as good of seats, but uh, it was... It was still a lot of fun. Like I wish we uh, could have pulled away with the win at the very end, but it was, regardless, still entertaining. It was a good environment. Any other uh, any other items on your little Toronto uh, preseason tourism kind of bucket list or anything? Um, I'm pretty good now. Um, I think I'm set till my partner gets in. Then we'll uh, probably go a bit more out and explore. But uh, in terms of sporting, I think I'm good, and I'll I'll go back again. But uh, we're pretty happy. Great to hear. Well, when we have these interviews, we always start with similar questions because everyone has a different rugby background. Uh, so, Corey, what got you started in rugby in the first place? So it was when um, back when I was nine years old and it was actually in Australia when I was playing my first ever Australian football league. So it was just the AFL. Um, and I played the one game and I lit, there's a photo of me and my dad. And I'm looking up at him and I say, look, this isn't this game is not for me. I don't like it, Dad. And then he goes, "That's fine." And we get in the car on the way home, and I see a bunch of kids playing rugby. And I just go to my dad instantly and say, "Dad, would I like that sport?" And uh, he didn't tell me, but he was a big rugby player in his day. And my mother's from uh, New Zealand, so she really supports rugby. They ended up doing a big U-turn and speeding off, and they signed me up that day. And then uh, haven't looked back. Nice. Um, so uh, you obviously, you know. Again, like uh, obviously, sounds like a fit the family influence a little bit there, or maybe a cha- uh, you know, a bit of chance driving past the the rugby practice on the way home. Um, was there any anybody in particular that like say like a coach, uh, your parents, uh, family friends, anybody that uh kind of was made a really big like influence on uh your rugby career to get it going or to even help you uh you know as you started advancing all the way up to the professional level? Um, by parents by far, you know, they've been my my greatest supporters and for all the way up until I did make my first year at pro, they supported me the whole way. And I was mainly my whole goal was just to make them proud. Um, and then as soon as the, the dream became a reality, then 
it was kind of, oh, okay, now focus on just doing the best that I can and continue to make them proud. When you were growing up and you were getting, um, you know, obviously having the influence from your parents as well, uh, was there someone that every time they step or stepped onto the pitch, you just love to watch them play? Like as soon as you found out they were playing, you'd be sat down in front of the TV or um, yeah. either in the stands just watching them. So when I was younger, it would be weird because like Nathan Sharp, because um, he was just a bloke that I was like, I feel like I can be like him. He was big influence on the lineouts. And, you know, we have a very similar running sort of style even today. So, um, and it was just, he just did his job. But as I sort of progressed in my career, what I really grew into was playing with exceptional players and watching them while on the field really stood out for me. So even when I first went pro, uh, playing with Billy LaRue and um, Adam Thompson, you know, that was my first experience as a professional player playing and I got to be able to play with them. And that was just being able to learn off them and just watch them play, like especially Billy LaRue, he could pull out any play from nothing. And then more recently, I guess name Dave Dennis, Animation Cooper and Matt Gitto, you know, those players, you know, whenever they're on the field, watching them be do what they do it's just it was incredible and i'm still you know i'll never forget those moments well you've mentioned a few australian legends and uh, speaking of your own legendary career to date uh you signed out with playing for the perth spirit in 2014 and then brisbane city in 2015 so um my australian geography knowledge is limited at best but what is the rugby culture like on the different coasts of Australia? So there's a lot more support over east. Uh, Perth definitely has they, they have their super rugby team, but if you go say Brisbane or Sydney, you know their this their club land is uh very it's, it's another level. Um, Perth is trying to build its culture, but when I was at Perth Spirit, had back in the NRC days. Um, it was predominantly um, super guys, like super rugby players. Um, so in terms of the environment, um, there wasn't too much of a change because a lot were from over east. Um, so there wasn't too like in terms of like the the grassroots. There's a big difference, but um, the super rugby stuff is the same. It's just like they might have a bit more of a support over east. Yeah. So obviously, you know, prior to uh, coming over to North America, you also spent some time in Japan um, playing for uh, the Kameishi Sea Waves, Cannon Eagles, and then ultimately for the the Sunwolves and Super Rugby, um, although that season was cut short due to COVID. Um, what was uh, we kind of talked to Pete Smith a little bit about it um, in an episode a little bit back, but what, how was the experience playing uh, um, rugby in Japan? And did you notice any like kind of differences in the how like you know, you grew up and the way you were training in Australia versus um, how everything got, was done over uh, in Japan. It was uh, it was definitely an eye-opener because, you know, firstly, the different cultures. Um, I kind of, when I went over there, I was 109 kilos and I was a bit, I was a chubby 109 because I was always trying to put on weight because I could never do it. Um, and I got put into reality check real quick. I did my first ever Bronco and it wasn't a good score. And they... <laughs> broke me they i i was falling asleep and i was almost falling asleep in the team dinners like at the end of the day and i was absolutely bent but they managed to completely switch my whole sort of fitness and everything within a month of um getting absolutely uh flogged uh so it was a huge eye opener and then it, it really 
told me that I have to get to this next level because it, it pretty much ignited it again, saying, no, you're not good enough. You're not as good as you think you are. You need to be so much better. And then that's just, it always just kept a reality check that, you know, you can always be so much better no matter what level you're at. Could you explain what exactly a Bronco is? Because every time there's like training camp and stuff, it's this term is obviously thrown around a lot, but just uh, like, would you be able to kind of like, what makes it so hard? And like, what exactly are you guys doing during a Bronco? So it's pretty much just like a continuous shuttle. Uh, You have to go out 20 meters and back, 40 meters and back, 60 meters and back. And you do that continuously for five reps. Um, It's, it's come in in the past, I think maybe the past eight years, is trying to be a fitness identifier for rugby-specific fitness. Uh, and it's just a grueling, you know, five-star five by 4.30 to 5.30 sort of uh, brutal sort of fitness test just to get an idea of where everyone's at. Um, different places around the world use it more frequently. Some people just do it as an identifier. says everything's changing. So that's the, the beauty about, you know, the development in fitness. You know, there's always going to be something new coming out. Um, but over the past few years, the Bronco has been the, <laughs> the highlight of uh, most pre-seasons. All right. So it sounds like you had a very enjoyable time in Japan. Obviously, the 2020 season didn't go according to plan, and it, the uh, coronavirus pandemic effectively ended many rugby competitions across the globe, including uh, Major League Rugby's 2020 season. So how did you go about getting noticed by the LA Giltinis, and what were the motivating factor or factors that convinced you to join? So when COVID hit, it was... Um... It was rough because I finally got my dream of playing Super Rugby and then it got cut short. Um, but luckily, you know, my agent was straight on it. He got a call from the LA Guiltinis. And as soon as I heard the squad that they were putting together, I was sold instantly, just purely just because I know I'd, it would be so um, special to play with the guys, um, with that star team. It was like it wasn't hard to sell LA, but it was – and also when you add that squad together, you know, it was – I didn't have much so – I think I said yes that straight away. <laughs> Quick negotiations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember the the coach, Darren Coleman, trying to explain it to me. And then when he called, I was already sold. And we were just <laughs> – <laughs> as soon as he told me the squad that was getting put together, I was done. I did, he didn't need to negotiate or anything. I was just ready to go. <laughs> yeah, so – Obviously, uh, when we asked you like earlier, some of like the players and stuff that you looked up to, you mentioned some of your LA Giltini's teammates, um, Adam Ashley Cooper, Matt Gitto, Dave Dennis. Um, so you, you got to play in LA. So what was it like playing with uh, some of those legends of the game while also looking like you guys were having quite a bit of fun while doing it too? Yes, because it was our, you know, with the first uh, LA team coming in, it was it was special on that, and it also brought a lot of challenges, meaning that you know we had a lot of targets put on us. Um, but you know, luckily we did have those players that were involved because they really led the ship well, and um, we couldn't have been more prepared going into it purely just through their leadership. Like um, they really opened my eyes into how people can lead a team because they. Yeah, no, I really respect who they are and what they've done. Well, definitely when the LA joined and the name Giltinis was first um, publicly announced to the wider MLR community, there were a few uh, questions to be asked, a few raised eyebrows. But, you know, it seemed to go well. I, 
in doing my research, I remembered that uh, you guys actually did um, your preseason in Hawaii. Um, so, I mean, that would have sold me just on the grounds of, oh, you get to be in Hawaii for a number of weeks just doing preseason rugby training. Now, my Bronco would have been definitely worse than any you've ever seen, Corey, but um, especially coming in with this um like reaction to the name and stuff and all these big names coming in. Uh, how did um, being the new boys of the league suit you and your teammates? Well, it was a challenge that we all knew was coming. We all accepted and we, you know, the, the good thing about the blokes that we had there, we, we just wanted the challenge, you know, we were all accepted and we we're all getting excited from it. So, um, anything that happened, we we're happy to go against the grain and do things the way that we wanted to do. If it caused a bit of havoc, you know, it was just more fuel to the fire and it really drove us for for um, just who we are and what we did. Obviously, you guys had a ton of success in that first year, ultimately uh, winning the Shield. Is there like a moment in the season where you guys maybe were come, like, as you said, it's like it's the first year of the franchise, a uh, whole group of guys that probably have never really played together before. Is there a, like a moment in the season where you guys kind of realized that you had like a real shot at um, winning the Shield in, uh, in the first year in the league? Um, so I think... The belief that it just was from the start, you know, we had the belief and that if we didn't believe it, it was you weren't in the right spot. So I think from the start, it was just we had the, a really good culture set in from the very get-go and we're out there to, you know, just go out there and win. That's the mindset we had from the start. Um, whereas I'll probably go into the, the next season that didn't work out so well at the start, there's – probably more of a special moment that happened earlier on in that year where, you know, things weren't going well. Um, we weren't having that start. We had the pressure that we were trying to go back to back. We had, so there's a lot of stigma around it. But a bit that does stand out to me is that we, there was a moment where the coaches had a plan to send us all to the beach where we all sort of, um, was kind of where we sort of designated ourselves. Um, and it was where we all, they set us all down. We all wrote our why, so why we wanted to be here, why or why we do what we play this sport. And um, it was really special for me because it really opened up a lot of a lot of the reasons why I wanted to do this. And it was a point where everyone wrote all their whys, and once it was done, it was written on a piece of paper. Dave Dennis drew a big line in the sand, and it was pretty much a metaphorical. It was very sim symbolic, where we pretty much said, look. This is why we want to do it. We know we need to be better. Let's cross the line here as a team so that we can forget what's happened and we'll move on. And for me, that all that stuff's real special for me. So once we did do that, I think that was a huge reason for why we ended up turning that whole season around, obviously, for the, the remainder of the season. Um, towards the like second half of the season, you know, you obviously have Austin were like coming up as being like maybe like the top of the West and obviously having um, the same ownership group was a bit of a rivalry going on. Was there ever um, discussions with you guys of like, all right, we've got to be Austin. We have to prove that we're the uh, better cocktail team in MLR and show them what we're made of. Well, hundred percent. Like we, I think with the culture that we had, we'll happily would have made any sort of game a big event. 
because that's the mindset we wanted to have that every game was, you know, there was a reason for why we're doing it. Um, and for Austin, we didn't obviously had to think about a reason. We knew, we all just knew the reason. <laughs> and uh, it was always fun playing against them. So it was always a good contest. You've kind of mentioned the word culture a lot, talking about uh, um, what you guys did uh, in LA for uh, the past two seasons. Um, what was that like being able to say, build that culture from scratch? This is a brand new team. There's obviously nothing, there's nothing there before, right? The culture is going to be determined by you guys um, who are in the room for that first year. So what's it like kind of building that culture? Because, I mean, from an outside, kind of outside looking in a little bit, you got guys like riding like bikes and stuff on the sidelines and, you know, with the flags and stuff, um, some crazy dress kind of as you're showing up to games too. Like, looked like you guys were having a lot of fun. So like, what was the the culture like there? So we had a... a a little slogan where it was LA for love and attitude. Um, okay. And what we would have, especially that first year, is like the love and you would have a photo of your families or what really was drove you why, what who you love, who, in all that area of that, but then plus your attitude, which showed highlights in your career, photos of highlights in your career. And you have that wherever you went in the per, on a game. And so, like, that was just planted everywhere. So you had the reasons why you're doing it, and the attitude. I mean, the 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 then then that just put into action really. So in terms of the culture, they had all that flashy, you know, that nice stuff. That's all promos and all the fun. But when you dig down into it, the love and attitude, uh, the LA love attitude, was really the driving factor. You know, because we all we were a huge family, and we just were able to build that from scratch, which was, which was lucky that we had good people involved to be able to do that because it can go either way. You know, it's hard to build a culture that shapes something that we all work well with. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, as we've alluded to before, uh, you guys were the champs in 2021. Um, so what was that moment like for you guys when it it all came together at the end and you got to uh, to lift the shield in front of your home fans? Um, it's it's a feeling that I really can't describe, mate. It's uh, it's an addictive feeling, and it's something that I want I I want it again, you know. So <laughs> it's like it was a it was the best week of my life, and uh, I just it's it's such a surreal feeling. And the most that I get out of it is that I want it again, and that's the the reason why it was so special to have it with other players who have been through it before because they knew how special it was so they made mm. sure that the people that may have been their first time that they really enjoyed it because they know how rare they are and how special they really are so well luckily we were able to really enjoy it when we did do it and as i said it's an addictive feeling and i hope that i get to have that feeling again uh, trust us as Toronto Arrows fans, we really want you to yeah. uh, heal that again we're really we're really hoping that that comes through for you yeah. um, oh, yeah. So the uh, the other big question then, what was the party like after you guys won? Uh, it was pretty. It was a lot of fun. You know, <laughs> it was a wild and um, no, it was it was special. It really any, was. Any elaborations? I'm pretty sure like the police and federal agencies don't actually listen to this podcast. <laughs> 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 no, no, I'll keep those uh, memories locked away and keep them special to myself. To myself. 
Save them for the autobiography. Yeah. I, try, <laughs> I try with everybody that's won a, won a shield, and yet most of it's just seems to be uh, like they're unwilling to. Uh, they don't want to like compromise themselves willingly <laughs> online. I guess I don't know. Uh, it was uh, it was very special. Right? And, that's uh, good. It was a good time. All right, that's fair. We all know how the 2022 season ended in the West. Uh, long story short, you've now ended up in Toronto for the 2023 season. Um, obviously, big change being in the uh, Great White North is having your uh, a Canadian winter for preseason training instead of the lovely LA coast and Hawaii uh, and Hawaii as well. Um, but uh, what are you looking forward to the most about playing in your adopted homeland? Um, so just playing with these guys, like my, when I did sign, my main focus was to see how can I help Rugby Canada. That was my main focus. And there's a few blokes in the Toronto Arrows squad that um, I really want to focus and work with to make sure that they're prepared the bit like I can do what I can to make sure they're prepared for when they go back or when they, when they uh, go onto the big stage playing for Canada. That was my main focus. And that's what I really, really would look forward to seeing them grow. And I can hope I can do as much as I can to help them. I also realized then doing research for this, because I was going through the games of the arrows playing LA in uh, 2021 and 2022. Uh, neither Neither team has actually played those games in LA or Toronto. I think it's the first time in MLR history that teams have played each other and not played at home for both games. Yeah, no, it was um, it was a it was a different experience, wasn't it? But like Vancouver is uh, in Victoria, it's a special place to play, and like especially with doing the the kind of stuff the year before in Victoria, it was very special for me to go back there as well. So, um, oh, that's good. Still enjoyed it. So uh, I know you mentioned the, the Bronco um, a little bit earlier on this episode, but um, just like how how is training camp going? I mean, you guys are about uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks into camp so far. Um, what's your kind of what's your thoughts on how things are progressing, how you're, you say, gelling with, uh, you know, the established players that are on the team, um, how maybe some of the new guys, some new rookies on the squad as well. How, how are they looking? Um, just overall, what what are your uh, what are your thoughts on camp so far and how things have been uh, progressing in the uh, the early stages of the 2023 season? Yeah, so we're all working very hard, which is uh, it's very good. Like, you know, we've got all the right attitude and the right mindset. So, um, you know, we've got a great bunch of blokes that are willing to put in the effort. And, you know, it's all about just gelling together now and making sure the next next few weeks before the season starts that we fix everything that needs to be fixed so we're best prepared for when the, you know, the big season starts. So uh, I reckon we're doing really well. We're, we're working hard. And that's the main thing. You guys got your first preseason game um, coming up this Friday. Um, it's in Michigan. It's against the newly renamed Rugby New York Ironworkers, um, who are the defending champs um, at, at this moment. And so, like, what are you guys kind of like looking for out of the preseason game? Is the win the most important thing or is it more about? Uh, like, you know, building some team chemistry, maybe working on some set piece plays, trying some things out, getting everybody some minutes. Um, how do you guys look, go looking into like a preseason game and uh, what's like your mindset um, as you head into one of these types of games? Um, so it's the the thing about these games, it's it's all purely for yourselves. Like you need to find out 
where everyone's at in terms of how we're gelling, how we're we're moving together, how the knowledge around us that plays and it's how quick because with the MLR the preseason is so short mm-hmm. and it's crucial that the players are able to adapt and learn quickly and get in the right shape best as possible as quick as possible so these practice games are definitely especially the first one against New York um, it's definitely about us but obviously we want to win uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, for me like there's never a game that I don't want to win uh, and like there's never a game that I won't give more than I can. So I think it's a it's a mixture of everything. But at the end of the day, we want to trial, trial stuff. We want to set everything up. We want to uh, pretty much just focus on ourselves and but enjoy it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, like, with that being said, then, like, what um, in your mind, like, what's this? What's a successful preseason game like? Just say, say, like, for you personally, like, what will make you wake up on Saturday morning and be uh, really uh, happy with, with yourself and how you performed in the – in the preseason game? Just having the right mindset from everyone's got the right attitude. Like if we can go in there and say that we're very physical, I'm happy. Because the, the learning can take an extra couple of weeks and all that, but the mindset's something that is just, you know, what you got between your shoulders. And as long as that's good, you know, I can lead the first practice game happy. We're going to take a quick step away from uh, MLR and talk about your international career. Now, your Canadian career can be traced back to... A conversation with Ray Barkwell in Kamaishi in 2019. So what was discussed and how did that relationship come about in the first place? So the relationship started back in oh, a while ago now. I think it'd be 2012 when uh, so Ray was playing for the premiership team. And I was only so the premiership team was the open division in Perth and I was 17. And I was playing for with him. And, you know, we just got along. You know, he was one of the older bulls. Um, and I was just, just got, grew, grew a friendship because, you know, that's the great thing about footy. And then, like, and I noticed that um, while I was in Komaishi, I noticed he was on the tour and I was like, oh, that'd be, I would love to go see him again and catch up. And just in that conversation, we were just sort of, we we're just spitballing. And he was the one that said, well, hey, look, do you want to have a chat with Kingsley Jones? And I was like, well, yeah, if I can. And then pretty much we set up a meeting and I had a chat with him and then the ball started rolling. So that's pretty much what happened. And it was, I was very grateful for that conversation I had with Ray. Did, uh, talking to Ray and, uh, Kingsley Jones, did that help kind of drive a little bit of the motivation to come over and play in MLR in the first place as well? Yeah, hundred percent. I was looking, that was one of the first thing I said, I, uh, once, um, in that period, because I didn't know if I was um, at that stage, I didn't sign, I hadn't signed with the Sunwolves yet, and I was looking into it, and I said, "Well, what are some options here that we could look into?" Jerkin and I asked for his his opinion, and he was he was happy with whatever I did. He said, "As long as you stay in a professional league, then we can look at you as an option." <laughs> and then sort of just all worked out. So obviously, from that conversation, um, you played great in your f- first year in LA, and then ended up um, with a spot on the Canadian national team. And your first international test match was against England at Twickenham. Um, so how were you feeling going into that, and what was that experience like? But it was another one of those unforgettable moments. It was playing in that stadium is is world class, and you know I'm forever grateful for it. Like uh, playing against England as well, um, yeah, it was very special. Like I'll, I'll always be thankful for it. 
Uh, did you have like any any friends, family uh, that you're able to sh- kind of share that with? Anybody able to make the trip? Or I guess not, maybe because yeah, through COVID like couldn't. But I did have all my close mates at a pub in Perth watching it, and they'll some oh, that's cool. watching. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah fa- FaceTime him after the game, and uh, yeah, no, I realized was- halfway through that question what I was asking. I was like, I remember <laughs> when the game took place. Yeah, that's. Uh, did you have any like? Are there any? Like, what are some of like your best experiences that you kind of had in that like first couple tours of with Canada as well? So it definitely would be when we beat USA in the first qualifier. Um, that was a special yeah. moment, especially because of how hard we we're working before that. Um, we did have another very close moment that could have been another special moment with the most recent game, the Namibia game. Yeah. Um, that one hurt to loss. Because yeah. the the lead up to it, we're all, everything we're, we're working hard, we're improving so much. The young fellas are really stepping up, and I feel if we left that game with a win, you know, that would have been really special for me because it would have been just to, just to prove that we are going the right direction. You know, we're giving young guys an experience that they need. Um, and yet, no, it's just as unfortunate. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't come away with the win there, and that's just how rugby goes. But you know, it was a special game for me, and I. I yeah, but it was close. We nearly got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was a that was a good game. I would have loved to see you guys pull that out as well. Um, you mentioned the uh, game against the USA in Newfoundland, and uh, that's where you scored your first international try as well. So, um, and that was a big one too because that uh, that brought the game back to a USA scored early, and then your try kind of swung the momentum of that game basically completely yeah. and you guys able to come away with the win so like what was uh what was that moment like for you as well getting um not only your first try but first try in your first game on canadian soil in obviously a world cup qualifier so a massive occasion too especially at you know at st john's it had such a yeah. such a big culture there and you know it was very special mate like it, you don't realize how special it is in the moment and um you, you're obviously really excited but then it's these sort of moments you look back on when um you know, later on in life, and you think, geez, that was nice. That was a very special moment. I'm very lucky to have that. Um, but no, yeah, it was, I was just happy that, you know, there was a few blows that had, uh, that was their debut. And if they were, they wanted to win on their debut on Canadian soil, that's pretty special as well. So I was also really happy for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you kind of mentioned the, the game against Namibia, um, most recent test match that Rugby Canada has played. And, you know, you, you sound um, pretty like optimistic about the uh, the direction that Rugby Canada is headed. So, I mean, that was kind of going to be like one of one of our questions. Obviously, there's the disappointment um, of not qualifying for the World Cup, but um, you kind of sound optimistic about where the the program's going in the future. Is that uh, kind of an accurate assessment of how you're feeling? I definitely think you know we are taking the right steps forward because we need players that have the best experience you know so and it's hard hard to get out in uh, international to go play in france and japan and you know it's really hard to get involved in those leagues especially now it's going to get even harder um so the thing is we need to get as many canadian rugby players to have the best experience around the best players to develop early and you know it's good to get him as many tests if they can early as well. So by the time the next World Cup is going around, you've got a lot of guys who it's not their debut qualif- as a qualifier. It's, you know, they've got 15 caps and they're yeah. much more prepared. So mentally they can go in a lot more confidently. 
Um, but no, I definitely think it's in the right step, and I really hope the MLR is going to continue to build so that these uh, Canadian rugby players can have those experiences with um, superstars of the game because that's what's really going to be a changing factor is getting these players around superstars because you can improve so much quicker, so much better, and you can really understand where you're at. With around those players. When you say uh, get some of these players around superstars, are you referring to just players on the Canadian national team? Or are you also talking like MLR teams? And like, say for yeah, yourself, yeah. you mentioned all the guys that you played with in LA. Yeah. So it's really guys who've ideally who have had many test caps. You know, those guys are really going to have the right mindset. They're going to have the right attitude and they really can steer people in the right directions. Um, that's the best scenario. But you can also go to people who have you know, the just got lots of caps or many have been in many different sort of professional leagues, you know, just people who are very experienced and have, know exactly. Because the hardest thing is it's trying to find players who have the right mindset and have done it for multiple years and they can, and they're willing to share it with the younger, younger fellas. Uh, what do you think that both like Rugby Canada and World Rugby need to do to ensure that, you know, Canada is the best prepared it can be for qualifying for 2027. Yeah, because it's, it's a hard thing because what it's hard to sort of get a grasp about, you know, you're looking at the tier two nations, that, that gap is getting so tight, right? Even you got, so good, Chile have improved very well. You know, they've made, they've now qualified. So, you know, it's all the, it's the, the gap's getting so small. You know, you still got the tier one nations who are doing very well. Uh, and there's there's a little bridge between those two, but however it's it's a hard one because you got everyone's getting tighter. So um, we just need to do the best that we can to get our boys with the most experience. That's just the thing. And uh, having the MLR will help, and that just needs to make sure that it keeps building and needs to have the fan base needs to keep building so that we're able to, you know, input more, invest more into the league so that the league can develop. So you can attract more of a more frequent amount of you know superstars of the league that can provide uh even the american players like impide anyone with some good experience and they're just going to develop so it's a hard one to sort of grasp because everyone's getting better and the game's getting tighter so i mm-hmm. just got to keep working you know the good thing about the mindset of rugby canada now is that we're trying to get everyone experience so we're trying to to make sure that the, the guys that are coming up already you did mention that when you were talking about the namibian game so like with that being said like is is there any of like the younger players that got their first caps again um uh, you know against namibia and belgium earlier uh, earlier this year um is there anybody of that kind of like next generation uh, i guess of canadian players that uh you were excited about as you were you know on the pitch with them and uh on the last tour yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a few that I'm um really excited for. There's one that definitely stands out. Unfortunately, he was actually injured this year, and that's Mason Mason Flesh. Um, you know, I'm currently working with him now in Toronto, but like he's you know a kid that needs to be put in the right spot to just develop because he's just a sponge, right? So I think out of everyone, you know, I'm really excited to see Mason just develop because he's uh, he's got a lot of natural talent, right? So. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for Mason, 100%. For sure, yeah, as Arrows fans, so are we. Well, 
you know, obviously nothing's been announced for the Canadian men's national team of any games coming up. Obviously, it's a World Cup year, so things are more up in the air. And obviously, there isn't a competition like the Six Nations or the Rugby Championship that's a fixture. But, you know, we are hoping that uh, you guys get to step out on the pitch, ideally on Canadian soil at some time this year. And uh, if it's in Toronto, then obviously we'll be there to cheer all you guys on but i'm going to bring it back to mlr as we uh wrap this up so obviously the new season's coming up we have the uh chicago hounds coming into mlr as well uh you know a lot of uh, familiar faces uh, i guess you'd say Corey would be in uh, that squad so are there any games that you're most looking forward to for the uh, 2023 season uh, the one that definitely stands out is actually the Free Jacks. Uh, there's oh, a lot of nice. Uh, nice. Yes. a lot of Canadians over there that I, I'm really excited for because I'm hoping it's going to be uh, a very physical game and I, I, I hope there's a, a bit of a salt in the wounds for everyone. So I hope it's going to be quite entertaining and quite physical. Do you uh, want us to give you like 30 seconds to cut like a vintage like WWE rock style <laughs> heel promo for this game? Get the get the boys fired up on either side. We have to get this rivalry started somehow. We have to. Well, the amount of bloody uh, Canadians have gone over to the Free Jacks. We've got to get something yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a big one. It's uh, it's it's fun. I can't wait for those two. Both uh, both the one in Toronto and the one in New England it should be a that should be a good time. It should be a. Um, do those games kind of mean a little bit more to you when you know there's a lot of like other Canadians on the squad? Because we've asked a couple of guys this, and there's there's certain players that seem to kind of elevate their game slightly a little bit if there's a, a Canadian on the other side. Yeah, yeah. No, um, there's there's a few games that I think uh, I don't need any sort of extra motivation. For. No motivation needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now. As we said, Toronto's got their uh, first preseason game against New York. That'll be in Michigan this uh, coming Friday. We are recording on Tuesday, January the 24th. Uh, But New York will also be the home opener on April 8th. So, Corey, you're looking forward to uh, playing. You said about playing in front of... um, Canadians on home turf with uh, St. John's. Are you looking forward to that home opener against New York in April? Well, 100%. You know, um, I hope we get a, a good crowd there and I hope there's a lot of energy so we can uh, perform and, and do the best that we can to you know, beat the defending champs. I think everyone's always excited. Like, Toronto always has to wait a little bit longer for a home game, so definitely looking forward to it. Um and finally, what are you hoping to see from both MLR and Rugby Canada over like the next few years? Just development, you know. I hope I hope the MLR continues to build. Um, I feel, you know, that's a huge, huge thing that needs to happen for Rugby Canada and USA. Um, and then for Rugby Canada, I just really hope that you know the young players get the experience and they develop as well from year to year. So I hope. You know, when we we have those test games, you know, you can see the improvements from the previous years onwards. And, you know, that's what I really want to see. I want to see that the boys are developing. They're getting more physical. They're getting better. They're getting more skills. And, you know, they've got that hunger, you know. So I hope that really begins to build. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. 
Well, we're going to end the podcast there. Uh, Corey, thank you so much uh, for joining us for this interview. And thanks to all our listeners and watchers for joining us for another episode. Uh, if you like listening to this podcast, you can find more on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple Podcasts. If you like watching videos of uh, podcasts, as well as some uh, quick interviews we have with players, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And in fact, you can find us across all social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all at La Rouge Rugby. But Corey, if uh, people are now really interested into seeing the Arrows play live and looking forward to that game on April 8th, where can they get their tickets for those matches? They can get them at uh, torontoarrows.com and I hope to see you guys there. Uh, we will be there with bells on. Well, I can't speak for Derek, but I may have bells. Um, Derek, where can the fine people find you on uh, social media? Uh, I'm at Brissette the Jet across all social media and perhaps starting a We Hate the Free Jacks fan page somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can find me across social media at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thanks you for joining me for hosting. Corey, Amazing. Thank you for joining us for this episode. And thank you all for joining us on another episode of the Rouge Rugby podcast, where we talk about real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time.